have to make sure I say good evening and not good morning. <laughs> um, hello, everybody. Can I tell you, I am delighted to be here with you all this evening. I count it a pleasure and a joy, and I bring you greetings from the local church, National Baptist Memorial Church. I had to give him a thumbs up because most people say the name wrong. And so I appreciate him getting it right this evening, at first shot. Um, the other thing I want to do is bring you greetings also from the larger CBF family for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship to say greetings from them too. Amen? Okay, um, just a little bit of instructions coming from the African-American tradition. I am used to just a little bit of feedback. So if, if that's familiar to you, I encourage you to help a sister out this evening. Um, if, it's, if it's new to you, let me just give you a little instructions. So that means every once in a while, if something kind of touches your heart and makes sense, you could just say amen. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Just, you know, you could just say preach. Come, okay, okay. I just want to make sure you're all with me um, this evening. And so, again, I count it a pleasure and a joy. I have a few texts that I'm going to read to you this evening, if you all will bear with me today. I want to talk to you all on the subject matter of discipleship being risky business. I'll get that later. Um, discipleship being risky business. And so the first text comes from the Gospel of John, beginning at chapter 20 and um, reading 19 through 22. And it says this, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Y'all fast learners. The second passage I want to read may be familiar um, to a number of you all, which is the, the Great Commission, comes from Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read verses 16 um, through 20. And it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Okay, the last one. Y'all with me? All right. Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in his 
or her own language, native language. And I want to end right there. Will you all pray with me? Holy and gracious God, Lord, we thank you for being with us this evening. Lord, I ask that you will grant me your power and your wisdom to speak to your people this evening. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will rest on every soul that is sitting in this place. Lord, we ask that you will move in a mighty way, that you will breathe, Lord, on this occasion, on this evening. Empower us, Lord, so as we leave this place, we will leave different in which we have arrived. In Christ's name I pray, amen? Amen. So I mentioned to you all the subject matter this evening I'd like to talk to you just a little bit about is discipleship being risky business. Um, you know, one of the things in my church that I like to talk about um, is, is Easter, you know, the Easter season. A lot of times in the church that when we think about Easter, it's that one day when you buy that new little outfit, you know, new shoes or new suit or something to show, um, to, to show up, to remember the foundation of our faith and that Christ has risen, that he beat beat death, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so that's one, you know, mon monumental um, important Sunday in the life of the church. But I want to just remind us that the resurrection wasn't just a one-day event, that Jesus got up on that Sunday, on that third day, but he also walked around for several days. He walked around and he showed up in the lives of the disciples. Can I share with you one of the things I love about this season of Easter, the, the multiple days in which Jesus showed up? Can I just tell you that it's been encouraging to me? Because I want you all to remember what I read beginning in John um, chapter 20, where it says, on the evening of that same day, the evening in which Jesus had got up from the grave, it says that the disciples were gathered in a room. And they were gathered in that room because they were afraid. They were afraid, and that's why they had gathered in that, right, in that one place. And while they're in their fear, gathered in that space, it says that Jesus showed up and said, peace be with you. What I love about that is that it reminds us is that even those of us who have walked with Jesus, those of us who spent time with Jesus, those of us who have learned from Jesus, those of us who believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus can and has done some miraculous things in our personal lives or in our ministries and in the lives of people around us, that we can still be gripped with fear in such a way that we begin to barricade ourselves within the four walls. I would even contend with you that some of our churches are struggling because they are scared of the external. Because you all heard me read the scripture. It said that they were in there in John on the evening of that first day. It says they were there because they were scared of the Jews. Yes? Did I make that up? I didn't make that up, right? They were there because they were scared. And again, I contend with you that some of our churches, because whatever is going on on the outside, will find ourselves gathering in one place, but maybe for the wrong reason, because of fear. But it's important to still gather. It's still important to be there because Jesus showed up. Because I want to say to you, it's interesting, it says again, on the evening of that first day in which Jesus got up, they were gathered out of fear. But that last passage in Acts, when you read it, it's amazing because they're gathered again in a room. But if you read the rest of it, it says that they are on one accord. 
They are one accord, and I can say to you, I'm not sure what that really means. But what's important about it is that they were gathered in that space on one accord. And as they waited and they prayed, it says the Spirit of God fell, and they were empowered. And they began to speak. They began to share the wonders of God to everyone around them. They were empowered to communicate God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's power to everyone who was around in their community in different languages, in different ways. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I sit and I read the text, I begin to wonder some things because sometimes I just don't understand. You know, so I like to sit with the text and I like to meditate on God's word and try to figure out and try to understand. Because what was interesting to me is what was the difference between the evening of the, of the resurrection and that Pentecost moment. Have you all thought about that? What was the distinction between the fear gathered folks and those that begin to be empowered by the Spirit of God? And the only thing that I've been able to find in God's Word, the only distinction is that Jesus showed up. It's Jesus. That Jesus showed up and Jesus empowered them, began to, to reframe their frustration, began to encourage them to get back on track. Because if you think about that whole resurrection moment, it talks about how Jesus showed up when the women were at the tomb. Jesus showed up when those disciples were walking on the Emmaus Road. Jesus showed up when they were fishing, out there looking to catch fish. And I want you all to think about this because, again, I said, you know, when I don't necessarily understand things, I need to sit with them. I want you all to think about this. These are folks who walked with Jesus. These are folks who sat at the feet of Jesus. These are folks that even Jesus had sent out to be able to walk and operate in his power and had come back and had some wonderful and awesome testimonies. But during the season of resurrection, where Jesus was walking the earth after being crucified, they were not about their father's business. They were off track. And I want to suggest to you that they were off track because they were frustrated. They were off track because they were discouraged and disappointed. The one they had walked with had been crucified. And even though they saw evidence that he was no longer in the tomb, they were still amazed, but still bewildered, still off track. Some of them went back to the old business. You all remember when Jesus first called Peter? He was a fisherman out in the water, and he says, I'm going to make you now fishers of men and women. Okay. That was a good amen, ladies. <laughs> that was an amen moment. Y'all missed it. <laughs> Not just ladies, forgive me, but every, okay. He had changed, he had entered their life and changed their life. And because of an incident where they became discouraged, they became disappointment, disappointed, and they were scared. They stopped doing the work of the Lord. Is that a familiar situation for anybody in here? Has anybody ever been disappointed in the church? Anybody ever been disappointed in what's going on and wondered, where is God? What do you do now because something has transpired you are not prepared for, you are upset about, that you were discouraged about? Has anybody ever had those experiences? Can I suggest to you that you're not alone? 
those who walked with Jesus, who were able to touch him and even touch him after the resurrection, still did not get back on track. So can I tell you, you're not alone, (laughs) but you also don't have to stay in that space and place. That if you can just stay focused and open to receive the presence of Christ, that you can be encouraged, that you can also be motivated to get back on track because Jesus showed up. And you know what's interesting? When he showed up in the lives of his disciples, it wasn't with judgment. He always entered the room or back into their lives and said, peace be with you. So if you are sitting here under the sound of my voice and you are troubled and struggling with something right now, you're wondering why and where is God right now, can I suggest to you that God wants you to know that his peace is with you. When you think about Matthew in the middle of that time period from the, from the resurrection to Pentecost moment, after he showed up in the lives of the disciples, he gave a command, the great commission, to go and make disciples. But I want to encourage you, if you did not hear me tonight, to go back and read it for yourselves again. Because it says when he was with them, they began to worship him. Yes? They began to worship him, and not only did they worship him, there was a little bit of phrase that said, and some doubted. There are times in our Christian journey, in our walk, that we can show up to church, we can be in a Bible study, and we can be in the, in the crowd amongst believers and worship just like the person sitting next to you in the pew, but you can have doubt in your mind. I want us to hear this because if you have, if you find yourself in this space and place, I want you to know it is okay. It is okay to doubt. It is okay if you're among believers, but I would also encourage you to do what the disciples did, even in your doubt, worship. Even in your insecurities, worship. Jesus is standing right in front of them in the physical, because y'all know the resurrection, it was not a ghostly experience. That he was alive in the flesh. And even when Jesus was alive in the flesh, when they began to worship them, worship him, excuse me, some doubted. And even in their doubt, they worshiped and also received the commission that God had for them was to go out and make disciples. Go out, make disciples, and then in their obedience, they went to that new place and sat in the upper room. They sat in that room and waited for the comforter to come. And it says that they were on one accord. Again, I don't know the fullness of what that means. Maybe that's a sermon for another time or for your pastors. But what's great about that moment, because I want you all to understand this, that what was happening externally during the Pentecost moment, really wasn't anything different from the time when they were in that room scared because of the Jews. Nothing externally had changed. What had changed was them. They were changed because Jesus showed up and they had an opportunity to worship. And something happened. And I will tell you, can I, can I suggest something to you? For those of us, because this is the, um, the technology age, 
And because of the technology age, we can get so much information and, won't, and, and it seems like sometimes we can't function or can't move unless we have all the details. We will play with that GPS until we can get the right, is it just me? I want to caution us, because we have access to so much information, let not the, not, let's not let the access to information undermine our ability to trust God. Because trusting God takes faith. And to have faith, you've got to trust and believe in those things hoped for, but the evidence of things unseen mean you won't have all the details. You're not going to have all the information. The question is, without all the details and information, are you willing to trust God? Even when you're scared and even when you doubt, are you willing to trust him? And are you willing to wait on the Lord to give you an opportunity to be empowered by God to then do some things, to be the articulation of the presence of God in community? When the spirit fell, these disciples that were gathered in this room, it says that the spirit fell as if tongues were all over them, and they began to share in many languages. What I also love about the imagery and about that text, it doesn't mean that when we begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ, it all has to look the same. Too often we feel like that if they don't worship like us, if they don't share like we do, that there's something wrong with them. But from the beginning of the birth of the church, there was diversity. <laughs> and I, I, and I want to say to you, diversity that's needed. Because there are some folks who are broken in such a way that only someone who's been broken like them can share and talk to. If you know anybody who's living in recovery, they will tell you that it means more to them to hear the testimony of somebody who is living in recovery when somebody is active in their addiction, it's hard to receive from somebody who doesn't have that life experience. You all with me? And it takes the boldness and the courage of somebody who has come from an abusive relationship to talk to somebody who's currently in an abusive relationship. And so that, and that there's some testimonies or some stories or some people you as an individual cannot reach because you have not walked that journey that somebody else is going through right now. But thank God that God can empower somebody who's got a different life experience as a capacity to share that story that will turn the heart of somebody who's lost so they can find Christ. So I want to encourage you as you are, you know, are a new church forming. Number one is this, never apologize for who you are. You are okay just as you are. You are okay just as you are. Your church did not have to look like the church that owns this space. The question is, are you just willing to worship when you're together? Are you willing to still move forward in your fear and in your doubt to be used by God because God needs you? And with God, all things are possible. So I want to just drop by this evening to encourage you all to be authentically who you are and be okay with that. And as you worship God, expect the spirit to fall, to empower you to go 
and translate the gospel to somebody who's only going to be able to hear it from you and be okay with that. So you don't have to look for models of how other churches are and how they do what they do. Be you. <laughs> and w be willing to risk that. Because here's the other thing, and I'm actually going to close with this. That when the Spirit fell and they begin to share the wonders of God with those who are out there assembled in that space and place, how people responded. Some people were amazed by what they saw and were attracted to it. Some people saw what's going on and they had a similar kind of wonderment and they began to talk about the people who were empowered by God. Meaning that as you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, people are gonna have mixed responses. Even if you're doing what God has asked you to do and even if you are empowered to do what you're doing. See, sometimes I think we, get, we miss the mark because we are discouraged because of how people are responding to what we do and how we're doing it. But know this, from the beginning of the birth of the church, not everybody got it. And not everybody received it. So God can be active and moving and their people will make a choice not to believe. And in that, don't be discouraged, just know that that's God's business to work out. Your, your job is just to share the good news. To share the good news and let the Lord work out the rest. Because, and I'm saying this because I think one of the ways we rob God of God's glory is that we don't share God's testimony. We don't share what God is doing in our lives and how God has changed our lives enough because we are afraid how people are going to receive that message. I want to put a different twist on this. And I said this to the church, my church and they got it. So I'm, I'm praying that y'all get this in the Holy Spirit too. And I promise I'll close after this. I want you to think about this. If every time you told your testimony and people heard it, their lives were changed. My question is, can your ego hold that? Can your ego handle that? If every time you shared how God has changed your life and made a difference in your life, and then people heard it and they begin to straighten up and straighten out, and they begin to come to church and you see that lives are changed because you're sharing your testimony, could our egos handle that much victory? Or if that happened every time, would we begin to replace God with us? Something to think about. And I think it's intentional that God helps us out by helping us understand that part of the mystery of God is that we just share the story and God takes care of the rest. Amen? So share it even if you feel like people don't believe it. It's a seed that's planted and God's job to, to nurture that seed to a spiritual health. Amen? So I encourage you all to just take on the risky business of being a disciple. That even if you are afraid to keep moving forward, and even if you are doubt, keep worshiping God. Because if you do that, Jesus will show up. Jesus will show up to encourage you. Jesus will show up to challenge you. And G but when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. And that, that change may be you and not what's going on in the exterior. Because those folks, the spirit fail, and they begin to step outside the doors. And lives began to change, and some lives never moved. And that's not our responsibility. 
That's God's. Shall we pray? Holy and gracious God, as we are assembled here today, we sit here, Lord, in this space with some who are afraid. We sit gathered in this space with some who may have doubts, insecurities. But Lord, we know that all things are possible through Christ Jesus. And Lord, we're asking that the impossible be done in our lives and through our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to fall and breathe new life in our faith and our faith journey. Strengthen our steps, deepen our faith, and grant us the courage and the boldness to share the wonders of God so that others may believe and be healed and saved. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.